When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I found a solution to cutting yourself while shaving, and it's Manscaped. You heard us talk about it for years, and you know it's trusted by over 2 million worldwide. You should also know that using code DNVR will get you 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. So spend spooky season using the best tools for the job, whether it's the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker, ear, nose, and hair trimmer, liquid formulations, all of that stuff. The best tools for the job are at Manscaped using code DNVR for free shipping, and more importantly, 20% off. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Their fresh roasted small batch specialty coffee will improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in CBD and CBG and will have you feeling as good as I've been as of late. And now you can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and with me today is a very special guest, good buddy of mine, great writer that we've got for Purple Row, and now working for Major League Baseball in the Arizona Fall League. Ladies and gentlemen, now introducing, now pitching, Justin Wick. Man, you just roll out the red carpet for me. I got to watch out a little bit. Patrick, my brother, I'm just trying to do half of what you do out here, man. I mean, once again, like overjoyed to be on the podcast and thrilled to be talking some Rockies ball right here. Flattery will get you everywhere, Justin. You need to know that. <laughs> you, I, I got to jump into it right away. Arizona Fall League, you are down there getting getting to go to all the games, except today it's an off day, so it's kind of bittersweet, right? You get to catch you your go. breath, catching your breath, but <laughs> there's no baseball, and, and that's what you want. What's the vibe been down there in Arizona so far in the Phoenix area for the Arizona Fall League? Man, it is, I guess the best way that I can describe it is – it is the most pure baseball that I have ever seen. And I say that, you know, not that, you know, the standard big league operation, sure, that is very pure, but the attendance that we have is very limited. You have free access to pretty much frequent any corner of these spring training stadiums that you might be looking for. And it's just happens to be the next wave of the best players in the world that are coming in here and making this happen. So it's been it's been very gratifying, especially after the past year in 2020 when they didn't have the Arizona Fall League. They're now bringing it back. They're making something happen with, you know, the resounding success that the league has had for so many years, dating back to when it was first incepted. But 
you know, I am absolutely spoiled. Like you said, as far as it's bittersweet that we actually have an off day today, it's been so surreal just frequenting all these different spring training stadiums that I used to visit as a kid on spring break almost every year. And now to like be a certified employee walking around like I belong in these places, you know, that's, that's pretty much a childhood dream come true and being able to walk around the field, talk to some of these guys, walk up in the press box and see some pretty big time royalty. You know, it was, I shook Keith Law's hand the other day and that was a pretty like inspiring moment realizing that this is some serious stuff. So it's been a lot of fun and, you know, by all means, anybody in the Denver area that's looking to make it down, let me know. And my goal is I will give you guys as much of the red carpet treatment as I possibly can. So anything for my DNVR people right here. I love that you you got to shake the claw of claw. That's that's <laughs> fantastic how that that's worked out. And yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, because you and I obviously we're we're hyped about it, and there's a lot of Rockies fans out there that I think are are hyped about it that are in the know. For anyone who isn't in the know, how would you describe the Arizona Fall League, or how, you know what what is its purpose? Because it's it's something that I feel like should be on a much you know, broader scale you know, with MLB network covering it. I know they do that for like the fall star game and the championship sure. game, but for anyone that doesn't know, give, give them the lowdown on, on the AZFL as it were. Man, it was, it, it's so interesting to me because taking a look at all these different prospects, there's guys that were in the big leagues, but were injured. Like Jordan Sheffield missed a big chunk of time this season, but he's also pitching in the fall league. There's some guys that had a full season of work, but they're just trying to expedite their development and they're trying to crank them through. So essentially, you know, the top of the line minor leaguers, or at least a good portion of the top of the line minor leaguers are the ones that are making their way here down to Arizona. And they're suiting up. There's seven or eight players for each big league team that are being assigned to six different Arizona Fall League teams. So, for example, the Salt River Raptors are the team that the Rockies are throwing down with. Patrick, I know you're well-versed on this stuff already, of course, but the affiliates for the Raptors, it's the Rockies and the Diamondbacks this year paired with the Mets, the Tigers, and there's one other that is in there. I always I forget the Brewers, too. <laughs> it is the Brewers. I wrote, That's what I wrote it, it down at the top of my notes because I go, oh, what's the fifth one? Because they do rotate sometimes. They have yes. changed, I think, in years past. But, yeah, the Brewers are the fifth, the fifth <laughs> team this year. They, they didn't bring too much firepower, unfortunately. Yeah, there you go. Of course, yeah, me as a certified employee, I should not admit that I forget that right there. <laughs> But it's very cool. I mean, as far as what this league has put together, you know, the attendance is not particularly high. I know I touched on that earlier. I think the highest crowd that we've had was 750 this year. And sure, that's early on. The Fall Stars game is coming up and they'll get several thousand coming out to that one. And the championship always gets a good draw. But I was talking with somebody on the field that referred to the Arizona Fall League as the best kept secret in professional baseball. And in large part because you recognize even just two years removed from the fall league in 2019, those guys are suiting up in the all-star game in Denver this year. So recognizing that, you know, two years from now, we're going to see a lot of these names that are making a big like cemented status as big league ball players that are doing some serious stuff. I think that's the cool, that's the gratifying part of why I've always been passionate about this league and especially following the prospect rankings. And of course, with my own playing career something I always wanted to be a part of as well, but that's something as far as, you know, if you want to get that spring training experience without the huge crowds and without the like the hefty paycheck that comes with a lot of expensive spring training tickets, this is the time to make it happen. Not to mention it goes all the way up to the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So we've got plenty of time to soak that in. And, you know, it's I miss Denver every single day. I would love to still be in Colorado at this point. But, you know, for this month and a half window, let's just say I'm I'm pretty pleased to be down here in Arizona, so I can't complain about that too much. 
Denver is a, a hidden gem of the United States, and I think more and more people are realizing that. But I, I like that description about the Arizona Folly because if if you know about it and if you're there, I've I've always been a fan from a distance. I haven't been down there. I'm, I'm hoping to go possibly next month for a little bit, but it's just been the final stepping stone for some players who maybe have to be protected on the 40-man roster by the end of November or else they get taken in the Rule 5 draft. And as you said, it's future All-Stars, MVPs. I don't know what the exact number is, but something like, what, 70, maybe 75% of players that you see in the Arizona Fall League will make it to the majors at some point. Could even be something like 25% of the players that appear, you know, are All-Stars eventually. And yeah, there's going to be MVP players and and on the Salt River Rafters, you know, if we're going to actually talk about the players, you know, before we even get to the Rockies, Brett Beatty and Spencer Torkelson are on the Salt River Rafters and they've they've gotten off to a great start and those are two of the top prospects in all of baseball and if you're going to see those Rockies prospects, you're also going to see two guys that could be future All-Stars and future MVPs going forward as well. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, especially recognizing just the firepower that a lot of the different teams have sent through. And like I was mentioning, you know, just as much of a pure baseball experience as it truly is, it's a very welcoming environment to where, you know, yes, the wins and losses are tallied and they do have a championship. And yes, it is competitive, but there's not many times where, you know, as a Rockies fan, you're going to have an opportunity to cheer for a guy like Spencer Torkelson. I mean, when he's inevitably suiting up for the Detroit Tigers, he'll be in a different league. We might not see him very much, but it gives you a very well-rounded taste and it's a very refined way to just develop your baseball mind and recognizing that these are the guys that are suiting up for this. So that's, it's funny to me. I've been discussing with a couple of the stadium supervisors, each team in the fall league, all six of them have somebody that's designated to follow them around just as a staff member, taking care of all the logistical details. And they have little side bets going on talking about, you know, we want our team to do really well. And then finally somebody was like, you know, does it really matter? Like, this is all just a showcase pretty much. This is what it is. But at the same time, recognizing that, you know, the scoreboard is still on. It is still a competitive sense, and people are still showing up to play. And especially in the minor leagues, they have really something to prove. So that's been something that's been pretty gratifying, recognizing seeing a guy like Brett Beatty absolutely go off, and he's high-fiving some Rockies hands in the dugout. And you realize just the this sense of community that comes out of a league like this and the camaraderie that is just throwing a bunch of guys together to play ball. And not to mention, you know, judging by the pace of what those guys are doing, what Torkelson, what Beatty is doing, countless other guys. It's only a matter of time until they start showcasing that at the big league level. And, you know, as Rockies fans, we're allowed to be fans of those guys at this point in time. So I think that's one of the cooler moments of this league. Torkelson, of course, the first overall pick in the 2020 MLB draft. And the Rockies will go to Detroit in April on the 22nd through 24th. But we know how sometimes contracts can get manipulated with service time. <laughs> so you might not expect to see, you know, possibly a guy who earns the the starting first baseman spot or DH spot, or maybe even play a little third base, whatever it may be. You might not see him against the Rockies. And because Detroit trains in Lakeland in Florida, you won't even see him during spring training. So it could be four years until you ever really get a chance to go to the ballpark to watch your Rockies and see Spencer Torkelson. By that point, he could already be an MVP. So that's a, that's a good reason to, to get down to the ballpark and, and go to the Arizona Fall League now. Favorite uh, spring, spring training or an Arizona Fall League ballpark? What oh, have you been? Have you been to all of them? I would imagine you I might have, have been, been to all of them. 10. Yes, I've been to all ten. Oh my goodness, Patrick, my friend, you just Put opened the can of worms right here, man. 
Well, I have a very unpopular favorite, and it is Scottsdale Stadium, home of the San Francisco Giants. Now, I am an absolute nerd over old-timey ballparks, just the throwback atmosphere. I mean, the Coors Field style, if you put it in the middle of lower downtown, a bunch of bricks surrounding it. I love that kind of atmosphere. And it's very difficult for a lot of these spring training stadiums to, uh, you need a full complex. For example, Salt River Fields has 13 fields that are there. And there's only so much real estate available in Greater Phoenix to put up 13 fields in a confined plot of land. That's the same way it is. Campbellback Ranch is shared between the Dodgers and the White Sox. Surprise Stadium, the same thing with the Royals and the Rangers. A lot of these complexes are on the outskirts of the city. So, as far as the nicest, I will admit this, the nicest is Salt River Fields. And that's just, they put up this absolute gym. The Diamondbacks decided we need to capitalize on our home state, on our home state, our home city. We're going to put this thing up. And for good reason, I feel like that's, it's very taken care of. It's very well done. It was designed by the same architecture company that did the facility out in Glendale with the Dodgers and the White Sox, but all the kinks they were able to work out. So all of that being said, you're going to walk into Scottsdale Stadium and you're going to look at it going, how is this possibly my favorite? But it is the most intimate environment that you have the opportunity to see big leaguers in. That's the way I've always seen it. It's so confined. It's in the heart of Old Town Scottsdale, which also happens to be one of my favorite places in the country right here. So as far as the nicest, if I have to be objective, I would say Salt River Fields. But from the sentimental value and just the sheer like love of the ballpark, I would have to go with Scottsdale Stadium. That's my go-to. I th- yeah, I think I think we can work around that and say if you're just going for the game, Scottsdale. But if you're looking to to spend an entire day going around in the backfields, getting your steps yeah. in, the facilities are hands down way better at Salt River. I, I think that, that is makes sense. Absolutely right. Yes, and especially seeing. I mean, I had a chance to walk through the walk the Rockies weight room even and seeing the developmental setup that they have up at Salt River Fields. It's just. It, it makes you inspired that no matter what your age is, you just want to suit up and go and play again, I feel like. Because you see, I mean, it's it's done up just as elaborate as it is, and it's so accessible, and it's the greenest grass that you've ever seen, but you also happen to see it on 13 other fields throughout the entire complex. So I think that's a very good, that's a good analysis. One thing I will add, I think the Rockies did luck out as far as where they were set up. They're on the Salt River Pima Maricopa Indian community up in northeast Scottsdale. And if you fly into Arizona, you'll notice if you're flying in from the east anyways, there's like a dividing line of the city of Scottsdale and then the Native American reservation. It's like clear cut. It's unbelievable to see this. But anyways, there's not a whole lot of development on the reservation. So the Rockies facility is still in extreme proximity to one of the most popular neighborhoods in all of Phoenix, just in greater Scottsdale. So that's I, as far as anybody that's going to bash me for saying Scottsdale Stadium. It isn't that close, but it's still extremely close. And I can't think of I don't know if there's a better place that they could have put a 13 field complex up right there. So all the more reason, you know, a lot of Rockies fans are familiar with this with spring training, but all the more reason to get down here and check it out because it happens to be in a pretty darn good neighborhood also. Great, great point, because as you mentioned, those shared facilities you even have in Goodyear the two Ohio teams in Cincinnati and Cleveland and Peoria, San Diego and, and Seattle uses those facilities. And as, as much as, you know, some players have complained about, Oh man, I got to take the 45 minute bus trip, you know, <laughs> to get out to Goodyear or something. If you play ball in Florida, it's, oh. it's, it's hours 
long and that's that's definitely not fun to to have to deal with but what is fun to deal with is being a member of dnvr because we we've got you taken care of and you sign up you do get a a free t-shirt you do get a bigger beer when you're at the bar we've got these awesome tailgates going on all the time for cu buffs games csu rams uh of course on sunday you know we had the awesome tailgate. I'm sure you've seen it on social media against the Raiders. We're going to be doing that again where you can get all-you-can-eat sexy pizza and Breckenridge beer. We've got a, the party bus that will take you from the bar over to the tailgate on 18th and Federal. So it's it's super convenient. It's it discounted prices for you to, to participate in that in any capacity. And our members know about the big event on Saturday night where you know a couple, couple Avalanche Hall of Famers were in attendance with Peter Forsberg, Milan Heyduk. That was just absolute bonkers. And uh, love all the love that our members uh, have given us for putting on that event. And and you can be a part of that too if you go to the dnvr.com or if you just want to get some of our swag at DNVR Locker. As I said, Breckenridge beer is what you'll find at our ta- tailgates. That's because Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. But did you know that, that they also have an official seltzer? They do. Uh, it's called the Good Company Hard Seltzer, and it's now available at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York. It's not that you're having hard seltzers just at the DNVR bar, but you can also have it in your home with a 15-can sampler that you can get just about anywhere, King Supers, Costco, etc. That's Breckenridge Brewery's Good Company Hard Seltzer, an easy choice for a great company. And DraftKings Sportsbook, another great company, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, They've got some offers that every football fan needs to jump jump in on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game to win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point, one single point. The last 0-0 tie was in 1943. That's insane. It's 24 years before the first Super Bowl. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. So combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable feature. It's a great app to use. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR and bet just $1 on any NFL game to win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or, or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for detail. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Justin, I like Salt River Fields the best, but a weird one that I really enjoy because of that old school type feeling about it. It's not the good kind of old school like Scottsdale. It's just old school dingy. I like the ballpark at Hohokam where the A's play. Really? It's just this concrete Man. slab, and it's just a concrete slab. Like I, I don't even remember checking out the facility in general. Just going to the stadium, and it just it has this old school, almost eighties type vibe that I grew up going to and seeing at Veteran Stadium. And so there was some comfort there. There's not a lot of people that really go out to those A's <laughs> games uh, in spring training, whether it's a down year or it's a good year. And so that kind of you know, dingy feeling gives you that sense of, hey, hey, these are my guys or this is my place. And and for me, I, I kind of like that when there's not a lot of people in the ballpark and you feel like you own something. It, it has more value because 
there's less people that want in on it. And yeah. that's almost always going to be the case at Hohokam Stadium. Man, I respect that. Honestly, that is a hell of a point you make right there. It's in the middle of Mesa. It's not in one of the more desirable areas. Not that Mesa's bad. It happens to be one of my favorite places in Phoenix as well. But it's funny you bring that up because the lineage of how the A's even found their way into that ballpark. The yeah. Cubs used to be there, and then they built a new facility in West Mesa. So nice setup at Sloan Park. And from what I understand, the A's used to be at Phoenix Municipal Stadium, which was over like kind of in the well in Phoenix anyways, older park. And Arizona State has since moved into Phoenix Municipal after the A's have now moved into the former Cubs Park now that the Cubs moved into Sloan Park. So, of course, the classic money ball phrasing of you're taking over somebody's old spring training setup as a big league team. But I exactly agree with that, and that's funny you bring that up, especially when the Rockies go out there. I've always tried to make it a point to see one of those. And it's just – it's it's a classic. I mean, the same reason, like, people kind of bash me. I shouldn't admit this, but when people ask me what's one big league venue that I haven't been to that I want to go to, almost always I tell them the Oakland Coliseum because it's the last great dive bar in professional baseball. And it's not going to be around for much longer. At least I don't expect that it will. So I want to get a taste of that before it goes away. And for those exact same reasons, you know, the spring training atmosphere for the A's captures that same feeling. And, you know, that's something I've recognized with the Arizona Fall League is you get the perception that, you know, growing up, the big leagues are so untouchable and you're never going to just, I shouldn't say never, but it's, it's such a high up. These are the best in the world at what they do. But when you realize, you know, it's almost like a tangible, you can touch what it feels like when you're in a ballpark that there aren't a whole lot of people there at. That's the same reason I gravitate toward the fall league for the same reasons that ballpark out there in Mesa that the A's have is a pretty good point. So, Patrick, I will defend you. If anybody comes after you for that, you got my word. I like that selection right there. Thank you. It's You know what? The, the A's are just used to getting the hand-me-downs in, <laughs> in every possible way. But you know what? They, they, they keep striving forward uh and the guy we gotta we gotta talk about first when we're talking about rocky's prospects representing the salt river rafters as that's striving forward right now is mr michael tolia it's early only four games in at the time of this recording but hey he leads the arizona fall league with two home runs he's batting 357 so he's he's essentially in the top five of of the regular everyday players he's protecting Beatty and Torkelson, the two guys we've already mentioned. And so he's he's done a good job of of uh, keeping the torch lit and and giving Rockies fans some hope that, hey, man, there's there's some really good talent on its way. Yes, and that's funny you bring that up. When we were first assembling the rosters and taking a peek at who was going to make their way to the fall league, some of the higher-touted prospects. I know Asa Lacey is out in surprise. He's with the Royals. Strong pitcher out of Texas A&M. Big drafty. And as far as looking around to see the more touted prospects, for some reason, a lot there was like a heavy concentration with the Salt River Rafters, with Beatty and Torkelson, like you mentioned. So I remember looking at this going, this is going to be very difficult for a Rockies player to really cement themselves at the top of the, at the, top of the lineup with resounding success just because you've got Brett Beatty and Spencer Torkelson that everybody's presumably going to come to see. You've got the Arizona State alum in Torkelson that's going to bring a lot of fans to the ballpark potentially. And... I figured, you know, yes, there's nine spots in the lineup that you're going to be able to break through. The Rockies guys are going to get their opportunities, but I felt like it was going to be a challenge for a Rockies bat to really cement themselves at the top of the rotation. And seeing what Michael Togli has done, I think his slugging percentage is pushing 800 right now. And again, you know, it's a young season. Five for 14 is a pretty darn good start, no matter what you're looking for. 
And just to be able to see like the enthusiasm that he's had, I understand, you know, he's, he's not by any means a second rate prospect. This is a guy that's pretty solid and he's got a bright future ahead of him, but I can only imagine, especially making your way into a clubhouse and realizing that, you know, when you're standing in the on deck circle with the guy at the plate, you kind of don't have the reputation that a Torkelson or a Beatty does, but you're still trying to claw your way up into it. And I think that's all the more reason to recognize how impressive this start truly is because he's been able to outshine a lot of those guys in many respects, not to say they're having a bad year by any means. And I think Beatty is pretty much leading the league in almost all offensive categories. So it's not like he's a slouch by any means, but he's putting the ball out of the yard. I was happy to be there on Friday night when he left the yard in Peoria and it just seems like he's, he's swinging more. And I don't know if this is, I understand it's tough to get a, accurate read on this when a lot of minor league games aren't televised but it seems like he's just been in attack mode a lot more often and I don't know if that's a sense of the pitching in the fall league they kind of had a little bit of a break between the end of the minor league season and the beginning of the fall league season and at the same time seeing the amount of walks that were in yesterday's ball game I wondered is there a difference in pitching to where they're kind of just serving them up a little bit more than they otherwise would in the thick of like the dog days of summer but at the same time, you know, these are also the top pitching prospects in pretty much the world as far as the ones that are eligible to pitch this late in the season at this point in time. So I'm very excited to follow along. Is it going to get more refined? Let's say Toglia continues this hot start. Is he just by default going to cool down because the pitchers get back into a routine? Or is there a chance that he just continues to dominate at the pace that he has been? So it's fun to see this, especially for a younger guy, especially on the heels of the COVID season that didn't exist for the minor leagues in 2020. He's all of a sudden pushing into October and into November with the same resounding success that we've seen. And, you know, that's something that I'm probably pretty excited to follow along with, especially as you see him heating up all the way into November. So I'm optimistic. I also worry, and I mean, I'd like to hear your take on this going, you know, are we going to burn a guy out as far as he's got as many at-bats as he did? Yes, you have to see strong pitching. Yes, you have to. I mean, he's he's leaving the yard like he is showcasing the power that he is that I almost am concerned going. Is there going to be a point longevity wise that we fry him out a little bit? But, you know, no matter what it is, it's exciting to see him in this capacity. I'm thrilled that he happens to be down here. And I feel like there's very little holes that we can point. There's very little holes to poke in his case of, you know, being a perennial guy for the Rockies in years to come. And this is He's probably the one guy that I'm the most excited for seeing. But then again, I'm excited to see a lot of guys too. Yeah, I think that you bring up a, a very fair question about about the burnout, especially the this year's minor league season being a little bit longer, you know, running into to September, which we don't normally see. And considering the fact that there was no minor league season last year. So it's it's definitely a lot more. But I think when you look around the league and you, you see a lot of other teams kind of having the same you know, outlook on, on their guys. I mean, Spencer Torkelson, this is his, this is his first minor league season. Let's, <laughs> let's even think about that capacity too. Right. And he's still there hitting in front of Tolia in the lineup. So uh, I, I'm sure, you know, they've, they've got their boots on the ground and saying, all right, if, if it does become too much, if we are challenging him a bit too much, we can always scale back. But I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that, you know, that narrative or, or at least, you know, what, what happens over the course of the Arizona fall league if when the, when the pitchers maybe catch up a little bit to the hitters, if Tolia will be, you know, con continuing to, to, you know, drive in runs in the middle of that lineup, have success at the plate and, you know, what, what that could potentially mean for his clock, because, you know, he did get up to Hartford this summer and that was something that, 
Uh, when I spoke with him uh, before the Futures game, he said, you know, that was a goal. And and guys usually don't talk about their goals. You ask them, but they say, well, yeah, yes, I have my goals and I'm going to work on them, but don't want to make them public because if I fall short. He was confident. He was feeling it. He man. was very confident. It. He homered in that game, which was wonderful to see. He did get to Hartford. And you, you say, man, if he continues to hit as well as he's been uh, through through November, then you got to start to think, does he does he come up in September of 22? You know, and if and if not, then you feel a lot better about him coming up in 23 and kind of bridging that gap and transitioning uh, with Crohn's final year and his you know recently signed two year deal in 2023. And then you can turn the the keys over to to a Michael Tolia who can hit from both sides of the plate. And that's another one of the the stories too that uh, I know you're going to be keeping an eye on is 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 the power as consistent from both sides of the plate, you know, hitting for average and, and cutting down on his strikeouts, which, you know, can happen when you're splitting time, you know, you're not a true right-handed hitter or a true left-handed hitter. You're, you're both. So you're neither in a sense, right? That's the challenge when you're, when you're a switch hitter. Yeah. And this is something, I mean, especially following to see just the power that he was showcasing from the left side of the plate this week. I think that especially just, I mean, the labor that goes into it, even if you're just taking batting practice going, I want to take it out of this box today just to get the swing of this. But I've thought as far as, you know, just the optimism of actually being nominated for the Arizona Fall League. I can imagine as a player, that's probably a pretty momentous feeling of, you know, it's an inspiring setup that you actually get to participate in this league. And that's something that I think kind of counters the burnout a little bit. And this might be kind of an elementary analysis for me, but, you know, if you're not wearing out as much of your body by balancing it on as, as a switch hitter, you know, you can take maybe more swings by balancing out your whole body as you're swinging along with it. So it's something that I, I, I understand how that makes him such a high touted prospect because you don't necessarily see this as much as you do, but at the same time, recognizing the plate discipline that goes into, you're probably going to be a little bit better of a hitter on one side of the plate as opposed to the other. That's not to say any switch hitters poor on any side of that, but recognizing, you know, you mentioned the strikeouts that exist there and what is the plate discipline? I thought the same kind of capacity of, does he showcase power from both sides of the plate? Does he showcase the same kind of discipline from both sides, just from the visual sense of things? And as far as switch hitters are concerned, I feel like you really need to have a refined eye of pitch selection, just because, you know, you have to change your visual perceptions so much just by standing on one side of the plate versus the other. And I understand, yes, it's a, it's a mirror image. It shouldn't be that big of a transition, but as far as trimming down on the strikeouts, it's something that I think a lot of the reason that you see a lot of contact hitters that might be switch hitters, you're able to stay in the lineup, you're able to get on base more often, no matter what kind of handedness the starting pitcher is. And I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the marquee power hitters that were switch hitters, it's very limited, but at the same time, the longevity of those guys that really hit it off and do well, that's somebody, that's something that projects them toward I mean, a lot of service time, assuming you're able to keep that up. So that's something that I was excited to see Toglia be nominated for the fall league, being a switch hitter, recognizing maybe this is a projection of the longevity that some of the other elite switch hitters in big league history have kind of been on a similar path. And, you know, the fact that he's taken on such an extensive workload so early in his minor league season, not to mention the amount of excitement that has come out of being named to the Futures game, being named to AA Hartford, like you mentioned, being named to the Arizona Fall League, I'm thinking, you know, it's been a it's been a roller coaster of a lot of optimism for him. And I'm very curious to see, let's say we fast forward into his big league season. Let's say we get to about year four and it becomes normal. 
at what point is it so normal to where, I mean, he's had so much excitement of he's continually a nomination for such high recognition. He's being playing in these elite all-star game type settings. And at what point does it kind of wear off? Because he, I mean, honestly, he looks like he's a kid out there having a blast, which I think is awesome. I mean, that's very cool. And I think there's a degree of that that never goes away. But at what point does it become so normal and so routine that it kind of starts to go away? But at the same time, he seems like he's such an enthusiastic person that I don't really think that's ever going to be the case. And I think that's all the more reason to root for the guy. So, yeah, I know that's that's kind of silly when we're analyzing personality traits in that capacity when we're trying to talk about longevity. But, you know, seeing the photos that we've even had of him over the past week, I mean, just the amount of enthusiasm that's been going his way. I think that speaks volumes toward the kind of guy that the Rockies have. And I think it speaks even bigger volumes toward the projectability and the longevity of what the Rockies might be working with, with that guy. Yeah. Rockies fans are going to absolutely fall in love with him and in, in that kind of personality, that, that magnetism that, that he, he seems to have, you know, going back to something you said earlier about, you know, playing time, we should also note uh, Ryan Vallade, Willie McIver and Ezekiel Tovar on the offensive side of things that they're almost going to have to battle for some playing time. Right. Um, McIver, he's, he's only gotten two games, two at bats. Tovar uh, did not start on the opening day of the Arizona Fall League, but has played in the three games since then. And you got Valade, you have a guy who has big league experience, and typically that wasn't the case. I know I think they they shifted the rules a little bit this year and what players could be on the roster because it was typically non 40 man roster players, but uh, the Rockies won Valade to, to have more experience. Same thing with Jordan Sheffield. So if you're going and you're just looking at statistics or you're looking at box scores, you know, and, and you don't see Ryan Valade in the lineup, that that doesn't mean, oh, man, if one of our best prospects isn't playing, then they're really not that good. And there's just so many other factors that go into that. And, and I hope that, you know, Valade will be able to actually back that up. And, you know, if it doesn't happen now, hopefully it, it happens later after you know the second half of the season which <laughs> the season's only five weeks as it is so <laughs> in two weeks let's say in the there second half on november 1st yeah you know you bring up an interesting point about that as far as lineup construction and you know sure you've got a guy like spencer torkelson that you know a manager is going to be cynical not to put him in a prime spot in the lineup all the time but as far as you know all these players are from different big league organizations all the coaches are from different organizations too matt erickson is the manager of the salt river rafters and he's with the Milwaukee Brewers. He knows his Brewers prospects presumably pretty well, but now he has to verse himself on four other teams worth of prospects. And it's almost like you have to be averse toward, you know, the sensitivity of if you're not giving one particular organization what they came for, what are the inevitable issues that you're going to run into? So like the pitching coach for the Rafters is with the Mets. There's another assistant coach that's with the Rockies. I think all five of the affiliate represented teams have at least some coach in the system for that kind of sense. But, you know, they'll discuss with each other. You have to really balance it out. And I think that's, you know, I mentioned the pure sense of the Arizona Fall League. Again, wins and losses don't, I hate to say they don't really matter, but this is very much a developmental setting that these guys are taking care of their business for. But what are the coaches and what is the inevitable sense of you really have to spread the wealth? Yes, you're going to ride the hot hands. You're going to balance it out with what you need, but what are the wants and the needs of all of these coaching staffs that have to make sure that they're getting everything that they're looking for? So that's something that I think it speaks volumes toward. You look at a guy like Ezekiel Tovar, for example, maybe he's one of the lower level prospects that doesn't make him a lesser prospect. It's just, he's not necessarily on the same developmental path, 
But you've got a lot of different expertise, like the pitching coach, for example, for the Rafters is a guy named Ken Knutson. And he was the head coach at the University of Washington for like 20 years. He was the pitching coach at Arizona State for a little while. Very good dude that I've happened to meet while I've been down here in Arizona. But you've got a guy like him given all of the expertise, you know, as a Mets guy, that's who he's with. But now he's working with all these different pitchers and painting his colors on what these guys can do for their own development. And you've got a manager that has to balance all of that, and he has to spread the wealth across nine roster spots to make sure that every organization is getting what they need. So you do bring up a good point about that. You know, Willie McIver, for example, he's only had two at-bats. He's actually on the taxi squad for the Rafters, which is something that I found out just a couple days ago. I was trying to figure this out, going, how is he not getting any more at-bats? Like, this is a guy that was, like, seriously touted. This is our, this is our dude for the Rockies. Oh, that makes sense. He's not eligible on these certain days, but... At the same time, realizing all the intricacies, reeling all of the, the personalities that come out of what these people are looking to do, I think it speaks volumes towards the capabilities of what a fall league manager really needs to do. And at the same time, it speaks volumes towards all these organizations getting what they're looking for. Balancing that diversity is, is definitely a challenge for any manager in the Arizona Fall League. And Ball, Aerospace and Technology, they manage diversity better than just about anyone. They've got a corporate equality index score of 100% by the human rights campaign. So objectively, your background, whatever it may be, they will not prevent you from being successful with ball. So right now, they're looking for people who have technical and mechanical skills to help them manufacture aluminum cans and bottles. Yeah, you probably know them as producing those mason jars. You've probably seen the name uh, outside of the, the, the avalanche where they play. It's, it's now the jar, as we should call it now. It's no longer the can. It's the jar. It's ball arena. And they're an iconic brand, and now they are looking for some support, again, technical, mechanical skills, and you can be a part of this. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself. So text GOLDEN to 77222, and you'll get linked to open positions, or you can go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com, and search for GOLDEN, or simply text GOLDEN to 77222. It's a damn good company. And we talked about damn good beer in, in Breckenridge beer. And now we're talking about damn good beef at Hassel Cattle Company. Their cattle and their beef are so good that you can now get it at the DNVR bar. That's right. Uh, you, we couldn't resist you know, putting this damn good beef at the bar. So now you can all come down, build your own delicious Hassel Cattle Wagyu beef burger. And they also want to hook you up. If you want to just eat at home, that's fine too, because you can get 10% off your entire purchase. You can get free shipping over $200. I'm trying to throw some extra deals at you, but you'll definitely get 10% off your entire purchase uh, by using the code DNVR10 at checkout every time. DNVR10 to save 10% every time at hasslecattlecompany.com. H A S S E L L. Double S, double L. Head on down to Solus Meds this month for their smoking hot October deals. That's because this premier Colorado dispensary is always hooking it up with incredible deals every single month at any of their four great Colorado locations. We're talking Fort Collins, Wheat Ridge, two Solus Meds in Denver, one that is off Broadway, and one that is just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. We're on the corner of Colfax and York. They, Solus Meds, are not that far away. They've got 25% off all kinds of gummies, bars, sticks, extractions, anything, you name it. They've always got some good deals. And right now, if you head into any location, you can get a free Solus Bar or King Cone, delicious treats, when you mention the DNVR 20 
code. That's any location of Solus Meds. Head in and mention DNVR20 to receive 20% off and get a free Solus Bar or King Cone. And of course, if you want to order online or look at their menu, you can do so and then pick it up at your own convenience. Just head to solacemeds.com and purchase from there. Mention code DNVR20 to save 20%. We talked about the hitters. Now we're coming up to your sweet spot. You made it. You you got through the first part of, of the pod. <laughs> now I, I got to come right in your wheelhouse. The pitchers, Jake Bird, Regan Todd, Matt Dennis. What have you seen so far from these guys? What do you like? Give us some background. Run with the ball. I'm going to give you the ball. You're, you're a pitcher. <laughs> you're a pitcher. So I know you've got a lot to say about these guys, I'm sure. Man, I got to live up to the billing right here. I will take it. I love it. Um, Pressure's on. You know, Pressure's on. <laughs> you know, this has been something that we have a very interesting mix of pitchers that are in the Arizona Fall League, ranging from a dude like Jordan Sheffield that, you know, in many respects cemented himself as a guy at the top of the Rockies bullpen at the big league level this year. And then we've got a guy like Reagan Todd that I didn't really, I didn't know if he was even going to crack it into Hartford this year, much less Albuquerque like he did. And his level of development has really been expedited this year. So I've been impressed to see, I mean, they've allowed a single run in just shy of seven innings in the fall league this year. So I know Reagan Todd's had two appearances. Jake Bird's had two appearances as well. Jordan Sheffield tossed a scoreless inning on Friday night and, you know, <laughs> humble brag, I guess it's very cool being there. Like just, you see, I, I saw Jordan Sheffield at Coors Field pitching in front of a lot of people. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing him out in Peoria, Arizona, pitching in front of 400 people. And I'm like, this is so cool right here. So just nerding out over that kind of thing. But I mean, he pitched a very good frame and I thought that was something that was interesting to monitor as well as, you know, for a guy, we mentioned Willie McIver the, in the enthusiasm of both him and, I mean, I guess Toglia for that same respect. It's a huge honor to be nominated for the Arizona Fall League. For a guy like Jordan Hicks, for example, with the Cardinals, he's also in the Arizona Fall League. I don't mean to make an assumption on his behalf, but I can only imagine that Jordan Hicks isn't as happy to be here as some of the other prospects. <laughs> So, you know, you put the big league service in, I guess, in the similar respect, you know, it's baseball is always good, no matter the capacity. But how does Jordan Sheffield really feel about being here? There's no shot I'm going to walk up to him and ask him that, of course. But when you have the big league service, how is that going to balance out? But he looked just the same as I figured he looked all this throughout the big league season. And especially a little bit of a layoff of the season ends the final weekend in October. Now you put two weeks behind you and you're back on the mound going to work again. I thought that was very gratifying to see that a guy like Jordan Sheffield was able to pitch to the resounding success that he's got going for him. So the only damage for the Rockies, as far as the only damage in the run column, that single run was a solo shot that Matt Dennis allowed. And he's the early innings leader. He worked three innings in, a, in his past start. They were perfect innings other than that one solo shot. So one swing of the bat is keeping the Rockies from having a perfect zero ERA right now. So I thought that was very cool. I didn't necessarily think Matt Dennis was going to be a guy that the Rockies were going to send to the fall league. But, you know, again, a very cool part about this league is when somebody pitches really well, they're able to really put themselves on the map and showcase something that's going on. So the double-edged sword that I do want to put on this, and this is something that in the back of my mind keeps hanging on, Ashton Goudeau pitched in the fall league in 2019 he did unbelievably well i think his era was in the ones he had about 12 innings of work down here and he has now turned into the king of the dfa in the past calendar year of i think he's been dfa'd five six seven times whatever it was just something staggering and ridiculous so 
you know, a very good fall league campaign can set you up for a lot of success moving forward. What's it going to be like when you're inevitably placed on the 40 man roster? If you're not there already, how can you continue to progress? How can you continue to live up to the successes that you've had? So I think it's a huge step in the development to even make it to this league. Me personally, as a pitcher, I had a harder time pitching in front of smaller crowds than I did in front of bigger crowds, just because I felt like if there's 10 or 15 people at a stadium and you can see their eyes in the stands, as opposed to you put 2000 in there and it's like, it's no, I'm just out throwing. And these people are, it's a social event as opposed to an evaluating event type of thing. So I'm curious to follow, especially for a guy, let's take Reagan Todd, for example, you're pitching out in Hartford and in front of some good sized crowds. Now you're pitching in front of these spring training stadiums that you're getting a collection of maybe 200 people in the ballpark and you can see their eyes. It's not like we have any promotions between innings. It's just raw, pure baseball. And it's a different breed. And it's something that I think a lot of people accustom themselves to a little bit better than others. So with that being said, there's a lot of ways you can interpret that. And I get that that's not a, just a, it's, it's not a binary yes or no analysis, but for a guy like Jordan Sheffield, very exciting to see that, you know, a big shift in just ballpark atmosphere hasn't seemed to hurt him very much, at least with his first outing under his belt. And at the same time, Jake Bird and Reagan Todd haven't really viewed as being intimidated by anybody that they've faced and their results are definitely showing it right there. So I'm interested to see, I, I bring up the Goudeau example because he threw as well as he did in the fall league. And then it was kind of a different tale as far as, you know, 2020 hits and that was different for everybody, but now that we actually have fans back in the stands, we've got limited attendance in the fall league, not to bash my current employer, but we're not, we're not packing the house necessarily. But I think that's a huge thing as far as the development for a lot of these arms is how are they able to progress? And I think that's a lot of the fun that goes into it is realizing that these guys, I think they feel a lot more human in a league like this, because it's not like you're the untouchable person that's pitching in front of sellout crowds. You're pitching in front of just a devout baseball community and you're pretty much one of them. You're just one of the guys out there on the field. So all the more reason to just speak highly on the fall league because that's such a unique atmosphere. But I think it speaks volumes toward the development for what these guys are working with. And especially these young guys, they seem to be handling it pretty well. And something that's been concerning for the Rockies has been the bullpen over the last couple of years. What they're doing in the fall league, it's pretty optimistic. And it's showing that we've got some stuff to look forward to right here. Yeah, Godot had that huge 2019 season with Hartford uh, before his injury. Matt Dennis, you know, pitched pitch really well this season, and he'll he'll be 27 by the start of, of next season. He's he's got a birthday in, in January. So could be an Ashton Godot type. Like that's a good, I think, comparison, right? An, an older guy under the radar, but we saw what Godot was able to do in 2021 for the Rockies, you know, out of the bullpen, um, kind of picking up Ryan Feltner in his two starts and you say, okay, you see that there's some talent there just because you might not know the name. As for Jordan Sheffield, I, I like this aspect of a guy who has that kind of big league experience, you know, Valade, he just got it. He has a cup of coffee. That's fine. But Sheffield was there all year long and, you know, made a big jump considering, you know, he's a rule five pick. So, you know, he went from, you know, am I a big leaguer to, yeah, you're going to have all year to prove yourself. And now here he is going back to Arizona, work on some things with some of the younger guys. And I think that sends a good message to those young players throughout the organization and, and really the other four teams too. Like, look, just because you make it to the majors doesn't mean you might not have to come back. Doesn't mean you might not have to, you know, get demoted and there's going to be options. You know, the first goal is to get there. Then the next goal is to stay there. And so Jordan Sheffield, he has to prove that he actually can stay there. 
Uh, and that, that gives something for these young guys to kind of, to think about and, and, and put in their pipe to smoke, so to speak, because, <laughs> Hey, it's not just about getting there, but it's, it's about doing the little things well. And, you know, you can, you can learn something from a guy like that. Yeah. Reagan Todd is, is going to be interesting because he's a lefty. And so he could be the 2022 version of Lucas Gilbreth, both because started the year in, in, in high a and because he's got the Colorado connection, right? He was he was born on the on the eastern side of the, in the front range, went to school at Colorado Mesa, uh, became a pro in Grand Junction. So he just had to walk to the ballpark from his apartment because you know where he went to school <laughs> is the exact same place he started his pro career. So he's he's an interesting story, I think uh, that that I think a lot of Rockies fans would would love to know more about. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for, for this. And are there any players on, on any of the other teams that jump out to you? I I've looked at the rosters just a little bit, but uh, outside of Jordan Hicks, he's, he's one of the biggest names, <laughs> he's 103 miles an hour in the postseason a couple of years ago before Tommy John surgery. Are there other, you know, big names in the Arizona fall league that that fans could maybe keep an eye on if, if they do decide to go down? Sure. You know, it's funny you should say this because, I mean, me as the communications coordinator, I've like, I never thought it would be so easy just to talk with a lot of these guys. And the ones that really stand out to me are the ones that are really personable as far as on the field at this point. So the best characters, like probably some of my favorite. Jeremiah Jackson is a guy in the Angel system. He plays for the Glendale Desert Dogs. He peaked in, I think, low A this year. So he's a very young prospect that's coming up. Just a quick kid. He's a lot of fun. Um, Richie Palacios is a guy with the Scottsdale Scorpions. He's out of the Red Sox organization. Those two guys are probably my favorite in the league so far, just because they're as chatty as they are. And I've had as much fun with them. So I probably should give them a little selfish plug right here. But as far as one dude that I'm really excited about another futures game guy, Jeter Downs out of the Red Sox organization shortstop. Yeah. Very good name. Jeter in the Red Sox system. There it is. And he came over in the Mookie Betts deal. (laughs) So we're, we're, right. we're seeing Alex go. Verdugo do it in the postseason, and they still got some more guys on the come up from that that deal. Jeter Downs, yeah. Sure. And it, it was something, I mean, they took infield just the other day. And I mean, I happened to follow around that team for two days in a row and seeing him just taking reps at shortstop. He looks like he's, I mean, of course, you've done it for years if you're doing it at that level, but just how clean it looks. It's I don't have any further analysis other than it's some of the most smooth hands I have seen at that position. And of course, rightfully so, if he's as touted as he is. So that's been a guy that I've definitely fought along with. And then there's another, I mean, a handful of pitchers as well. Asa Lacey got off to a great start up in surprise. He's, a, I believe, top five selection in the 2020 draft that I was hopeful there was going to be a slim chance he was going to drop to Colorado, that they'd be able to pull another lefty starter similar to the like of a potential Kyle Freeland. But he's thrown really well. It's been fun to monitor what he's been going on. And it's fun to look around the entire league as far as, you know, I'm very biased, of course, toward the Rockies system and recognizing all of these important players that are here. But as far as you put all of these minds together and the developmental strategies of different organizations, I was the workout day. They sent me to Scottsdale Stadium and the pitching coach is Chris Mears from the Red Sox system. He was working with a bunch of pitchers from the Twins, and he wasn't, I guess, working with them, telling them how to do things. It was more just kind of a supervisor, oversee type of thing. But, you know, being down in the bullpen and hearing the way they were discussing different points, saying this is what my organization has us do, and he's catering his coaching towards what the organization needs. I think it's very cool to recognize that 
you know, even within the rafters, you got a guy like Jordan Sheffield that's older. He came up through the Dodgers organization. He already played in the fall league once, but now you've got him sharing ideas with, you know, it's not just Yolish Shasin, the elder statesman, sharing stuff with the Rockies bullpen. It's a bunch of dudes from five different teams that are getting thrown together and just continuing to promote their development. And I think when you get that many minds together that are coming from so many different philosophies, call it, you know, the college or the international backgrounds that they have into their organizational backgrounds and what the last couple of years of their knowledge base has grown with. Now, all of a sudden you put them all together and I feel like you're able to have a much more refined approach towards pitching, especially just because there's so many different ways to attack being prepared on the mound. So that collectively is what I'm excited about. You mentioned the players. I would say Jeter Downs and probably Jeremiah Jackson are the two that I'm the most excited to follow along. So I'm very much going against my pitching lineage right there, of course. But the dude that I am the most excited about, you did touch on Reagan Todd for a minute. He started at Arizona State for two years and transferred to Colorado Mesa. He worked his way up through there. He was high school teammates with David Peterson at Regis High School in Aurora, Colorado which I didn't get the opportunity to pitch against either of them. But, you know, that's probably a good thing because they would have probably taken care of business right there. But, you know, the Colorado background that they work with, Reagan Todd, a good buddy of mine that I've been able to follow through the last couple of years, just growing up in the same area. And I feel like he never really had the opportunity to be a star necessarily, just because, you know, you're playing alongside David Peterson in high school and he ends up being a first round selection. You transfer out of Arizona State for whatever the reason may be. Maybe you didn't feel like your development was progressing. He probably was a lot more of a star at a Division II school like Colorado Mesa. I mean, the only D2 thing about Mesa is the jurisdiction. They could be a D1. But all of a sudden, you keep climbing up through the ranks. You keep climbing up through the system. He was a late-round selection when he was drafted, and it wasn't like he was a really touted prospect, but he just continues to do everything that needs to be done to keep climbing the ladder. So... That's something that I'm very excited to follow along with. I think there's a lot of optimism to be had with that, but I think it speaks volumes when you have somebody that's overcome so many different details just to get to where he is. And now he's just continuing to show why he proves to be deserving of this Arizona Fall League slot. That's somebody, as far as the one guy that I'm the most excited to follow, it's probably selfishly going to be Reagan Todd just because of that Colorado background. But, you know, at the same time, he's doing everything that he needs to do to keep progressing and climbing through the ladder. He's the only left-hander on the Salt River Rafters roster, so he's probably going to have the opportunities ahead of him. And only left-handed pitcher, that is. But he's he's doing what he needs to be done. He's also a great dude that I've had the privilege of seeing firsthand with all the different guys that he's playing with down here. And I'm pretty optimistic. You know, that Lucas Gilbreth comp- that comparison, for that matter, I think that's definitely spot on, and I feel like we could see this guy in the big leagues sooner than we think. Absolutely. I've got about 45 different topics still to discuss with you. Three hours left, but (laughs) we may have to save it for another day. We'll we'll, we'll wrap (laughs) on this. Uh, As I said at the beginning, you know, you're, uh, you do some great work uh, on on Purple Row. And recently you wrote an article that, you know, it, uh, you you beat me to it. Ultimately, I, I think it was, it was brilliant. This idea that, you know, Larry Walker now his his number thirty three is up there and in right field with the with the gold ring around it and with the demarcation of Hall of Fame. Well, there's another Hall of Famer up there. No, not Todd Helton, not yet. Eventually, <laughs> and I think and I think that was part of the idea. That was the impetus behind it was to attract a certain amount of attention uh, to the fact that Todd Helton does not have a golden ring. But 
you uh, had a really cool article about, well, you know, Jackie Robinson, he's a Hall of Famer. Should he get his ring? Talk a little bit about where, you know, that idea came from or, uh, you know, that article or anything else you, you want to plug at this point. Sure. You know, that was something as far as when they unveiled Larry Walker's number at that point, I thought the Hall of Fame ring was very cool. And I mean, upon the unveiling, it was like, oh, they actually put that on the number itself. This is awesome. And within about 20 seconds of when they unveiled it, I look over to the 42 and I just started going, you know, especially I mean, I, I don't mean to take a political discourse on this, but especially what's happened in the past year or two in the country, for that matter, I'm going you know, not to mention all the stuff that Jackie Robinson stood for while he played, which is readily known. I felt like it was only fitting to at least draw some attention to it. And whether or not the Rockies choose to do that or whether or not they choose not to, I feel like it was only worthy to at least give Jackie Robinson the recognition that he deserved. So I would think that the coolest possible unveiling for this, you know, I understand it would have been weird if Jackie Robinson had that before Larry Walker did. I mean, it would have just, you know, you'd have been praising a dude for the Dodgers and it would have been, you know, you saved the red carpet treatment for the Rockies own. Now you've got a Hall of Famer, you put him in. So I think the best way to treat this is now that the Rockies have set the precedence to make this happen, Jackie Robinson Day next year. Find somebody, find a, a relative or somebody that's been in the system or somebody that's overcome. Have Ian Desmond come back by chance or get something like this and have somebody recognized on the field and have a tribute towards, you know, put this together and unveil a new number 42 with the Hall of Fame ring on Jackie Robinson's number. So this is something, you know, I certainly don't do it for the status of being the one to suggest this. Like you mentioned, I figure a lot of people had the same idea in mind, but you know, that's something especially just seeing, you know, the whole purpose of why I wanted to get into journalism is because I wanted to make this game as good of a place as it could possibly be. And, you know, I love this game too much to just let something like that kind of go by the wayside. And that's a big inspiration towards a lot of the stuff that I write is just because, you know, I want to give people the credit where it's deserved. And I think that's the big purpose on why journalism even exists in baseball. So that above anything, I mean, I look at I think it's pretty cool to recognize that we have an opportunity to really bring the best out of this game. And I think that, you know, the Rockies following suit and making something like that happen. I feel like it's going to take a lot of voices to come through on this. I can only maybe they've already made a decision on it, that they're going to unveil it sooner than later. But that's something that I've been very excited to follow. And, you know, thank you for bringing that up as well, because I figure the more voices that can discuss this, the more of a chance it's going to be that this actually comes together. And another thing that I was thinking, you know, Kelly McGregor, let's say that there is a chance that Jackie Robinson gets his ring. There is a chance that Jackie Robinson or that Todd Helton, excuse me, that Helton gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. That would leave Kelly McGregor as the only one that doesn't have a Hall of Fame ring. And then I was thinking, you know, is that necessarily fair? Is that the best way to go about it? Well, he also has McGregor Square named after him, too, which I mean, I might argue that's just as cool as the Hall of Fame honors anyway. So a lot of different angles that go into that. But, you know, again, a lot of those points that I laid out on that Purple Row article, I'm optimistic that we'll be able to give Jackie Robinson the credit that he deserves. And I'm optimistic that, you know, hopefully before long, we'll be able to spice up that whole retired number wall with the credit that people are looking for. Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic article. And as you pointed out, April 15th this year against the Cubs, Rockies are going to be home. So you have that opportunity on Jackie Robinson Day with all of the players on both sides wearing his number 42. That's a, it's a great opportunity to go ahead and un unveil that that gold ring around 42 up there in, in right field and have some discussions and conversations about, hey, why doesn't number 17 have the gold ring? Let's talk about it. Let's let's make a push here as a community. And then if they all have it in KSM, wow, that 
who is this guy? He must have been pretty darn important because he's got he's surrounded by three Hall of Famers, and I think even that helps tell the story and, and whatnot. Justin, you you uh, you always tell a wonderful story when we have you here on the podcast for sure. Uh, at Justwick on on Twitter, hit him up for that. If you're going down to the uh, are, are, are the DMs open, Justin? If people are going down to Arizona, can they hit you up and say, "Hey, come on, let's let's hang out for a minute, let's grab oh, a beer, let's do something." Oh my goodness, people! Seriously, come on down here. I will make sure that you guys are taken care of, man. I would absolutely love that. And anything for the DNVR crew. I'm also a member of the DNVR community, so by all means, I'll be available in the Discord. Feel free to tag me on something like that. Would love to get some discussions going. You know, I don't know if we'll be able to pull together an awesome little like tailgate like you guys have for the Broncos games, but you know, if we want to pull something together, by all means, come on down to Phoenix and we'll have a pretty good time. Well, it's safe to say it might be the first ever. Of any kind in Arizona Fall League tailgate. <laughs> so we might we might need to do it just for that, even if it's just you and me. Hey, why not? We did it. We got it done. Put it, in the, and I might have to go in the media guide next year permanently. The, <laughs> this was the first one that happened, and we made it happen at DNVR. So, Justin, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, for DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons. He's Justin Wick. Thank you for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans, especially our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. And if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Green Mountain Dental Group, only 15 minutes from downtown Denver, but a million miles better than the rest.